Without further ado, maybe we'll start with answering the questions in here. I got four questions in here. The first question is, before crossing the door for meditation, Lee hits the floor many times. What is the significance? In the meditation hall, there's certain rituals and certain instruments to remind people to do certain things. Uh, when we're all out, we stop for a break, People may go for a washroom, other people may be circumambulating inside the hall, and then Lee will be doing this rapid hitting of the floor. That in the Chinese language, we call it Chui Ban. That is to say, oh, those who go for, to washroom and those who uh, to do other things, you got to hurry back. So this da 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 is to tell you that, well, you go to do, but don't, you have to be mindful of what you're doing. Don't just walk away and go back to your room and, and do a nap and, do, and sleep for another half hour. Don't do that. There is a lot of work to do in here. You have to come back again. Hurry up. That means you have to hurry up. Don't just walk there and spend all your time in doing unnecessary things. So that, that is to a reminder hitting. Remind you to be mindful of what you're doing. Remind you to come back. Um, so that's the significance of it, briefly speaking. Next, how do we know if there is a place called Pure Land? How do we know there's a place for Pure Land? How can we believe in a Pure Land? How, how do we know we have a Pure Land? Then I, I have to counter back a question. How do we get to know something? When we get to know something, briefly speaking, we have certain ways to know something. The first is to base on what we know and then we do a quick analysis as to say, should, is it worthy, believe, worth, worthy of my belief in this? So you have to base on information. You will gather all the information. Some information could have been stored in your mind which is your inherent information, which include, of course, your view. That's, what, that's why we went, just now we said that there are certain erroneous view, evil view, extreme view. In your view, you also have knowledge about it. So in order to know something, you really have to acquire certain knowledge about it. If you don't know anything about it, there's no basis on the belief. So that's the number one thing, acquisition of knowledge. When you acquire the knowledge, you have to analyze it. When you analyze it, of course, you're based on your, your background information, your education. When we believe in something, we, we rely on information sometimes of our elderly people, of the saints, of people we trust. For example, uh, if you're a teenager, you're a child, you're, you're, your mom and dad, and your mom and dad tell you to do certain, certain things, you trust them. This is mom and dad told me to do this. Mom and dad won't get me into trouble. 
given that mom and dad are very caring, of course, most mom and dad are very caring. Well, let's assume that the mom and dad is caring. So we based on what mom and dad told us. Don't get, put your finger into the fire, otherwise you get burned, sonny. Then you know that you're not going to put the finger in the, in, in the fire because you believe. You won't say, how do, I, how do I know that I get burned? I'm going to put my finger in it. You learn your lesson. This is the hard way to learn. So you believe in your forefathers. You believe in your mom and dad. You don't really have to research more into it because that's a trustworthy source. Now, why is there a pure land? How come we believe in a pure land? We have a lot of saints who told us, who have written a lot about it, about a pure land. And on top of that, the Buddha told us, isn't the Buddha's words trustworthy? You say, I don't trust the Buddha's words. Well, maybe you don't, I do. You say, I don't trust my dad's words. Maybe you don't, but your sister, Joni, she trusts that. Because you didn't trust that, you got into trouble. That told you, you must go home after school. You don't go about wandering around and doing bad things and throwing stones at people's windows and pressing doorbells and then brushed away and all that. Because you believe. So the Buddha told us, that's a pure land. Are you not going to believe in the Buddha's words? You have an option. Other than the Buddha who told us there's a pure land, there are other saints. For example, Vasubandhu. You know who Vasubandhu is? Vasubandhu in the Chinese language is Si Chen Pusa. There's also Asanka, Wu Zhuo Pusa. So many philosophers, so many saints told us that is the pure land that we should turn to, we should turn to. Millions of experienced practitioners, they told us, they point a finger, that's the way to go. And you say, I don't believe in it. That's your option. It's just like J Johnny doesn't believe that if he put his finger in the fire, he get burned, then he get burned. So the source of information is from trustworthy source, from the Buddha, from the saints, and from books written by the saints. And the second, gathering information. When we gather all this information, then we start to analyze it. Let me give you an example. When I was a child, I always believed that I lived in Hong Kong. I was born in, I was, I was born in Hong Kong, was brought up in Hong Kong. As a child, I thought that Hong, Hong Kong is the only place that I live in. I don't believe that there's a North America. I don't believe that there's a Canada. I don't, I haven't, 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 I've never been there. At that time, we didn't even have television. I don't know. People told me that, oh, there's, there's another land where, 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 where people with, with, with blonde hair, with red hair, with, with aquiline nose, with, with, you know, they, they have different features. That's where they come from. I said, is that right? I always believed that Hong Kong is the only place. And how did Columbus found, discover North America? Nobody believed him. How can there be America? You're a fool. You make these voyages and you discover America? No way. You go your way. You get swallowed up by waves. You got eaten up by whales. You're not going to, you're not going to discover any land. 
and Christopher Columbus said, no, I believe. Because I got this information from somewhere. I'm going to discover it. And he tried and he tried and he tried. But he still had this doubt in his mind. Is that really America that I can put my foot on shore? But he's so, so firm that he has. But before he arrived in America, there's no America to be in his mind. He just has a vision that there's such America in his mind. And all these millions of people, his folks, didn't believe there's America. They didn't believe in the same way that there's a pure land. How can there be a pure land? It's just the same as how could there be an America until they discover it, until they know, oh yeah, there's the pure land. The fact that you haven't seen it, it does not mean that it does not exist. Some people say, I never saw the pure land. How can, I, how can I believe in the pure land? If you only believe in things that you see, you touch, to have existence, there's so many things that you, that you can't believe in. Because our senses are limited. So, when you get all the information, you analyze it, you know, oh... When I was in Hong Kong, I don't believe in this America. I don't believe in this Canada. And, and, and then as I grew up more and more and got more information, yes, there's such a place. It's just now, I don't believe in the pure land. But as I get more and more into it, there was a Buddha, and his name is Amitabha. And in his mind, and his, for, for eons of life, he has been doing charity. He has been helping giving compassion and helping sentient beings by building hospitals, orphanages, by building all kinds of charity to save lives, bodily lives. And then one day discover, if I only save bodily lives, I'm only saving the bodily flesh and blood. How about his spiritual life? How about his eternal life? If I save him in this life by giving him a bed in the hospital, he's an old sick man, I only save his life. But when he dies, he reincarnates again. Can I give him an ultimate liberation? Ultimate saving? So that I don't have to help again in his late life? I'm going to tell him, don't come back to this world anymore. Go to that pure land. That pure land where you will meet Amitabha. You will meet Avalokiteshvara. Where you will meet all these Arahat and saints, they will be your teacher. They will teach you how to get enlightened and to get into Nirvana. Then you don't have to come back to this world of suffering anymore. So Amitabha's vow of building that pure land is a, has a much more significance than just building a hospital. He built that vast land where people can turn to after this life that they won't be too grass into suffering anymore. They ally consciousness, or in common English language, their soul, after their death, will be received into that land where they don't, where they don't retrogress into suffering anymore, and they will be learning from Avalokiteshvara, Guanyin Pusa, Dasiji Pusa, Zhusang Sanren. They all learn from there until he becomes the Buddha. So that's the land that Amitabha helped, us, helped to build up. Well, I sometimes, when I sit back, I think that's logical. If I were Amitabha, now that I know after reading Amitabha Sutra, 
if I build this pure land, it will be more ultimate. It will be more eternity. It will be saving eternal life, not just a bodily life. Bodily life is just one life. Life of eternity is forever. He will be forever saved. I believe in that land because I believe in the, in the wisdom of Amitabha who would set up something like that, a place like that. So I gather all this information and I believe it. And I know that my senses are limited because I, I can't, I, I, my, my sense of hearing, touch and all that, they're all limited. There's so many things that even I don't see, they may exist. It's just like the, the, the ghosts, another dimension of existence. Some people say, I've never seen any ghosts. I don't believe in ghosts. But there are a lot of people who's, who, who's, who've seen ghosts, who've, who feel the existence of ghosts. Can you deny the existence of ghosts? Even scientists, if you ask scientists, do, do you believe in ghosts? Another dimension of existence, a true, genuine, objective scientist would tell you, I can't prove to you the existence of ghosts. <laughs> but on the other hand, I cannot disprove the existence of ghosts. I don't know. You can only say, I don't know. If worse come to the worst that you are so obstinate that you don't believe in, you can believe in the pure land, you can only say, I don't know if there's a pure land. But I can say there's no pure land because I haven't seen it. The fact that you haven't seen it does not mean that it doesn't exist. The fact that you haven't seen many, many things does not mean that those many, many things do not exist. Do you have a great-great-grandfather? You have a dad, you have a grandfather, and you have a great-great-grandfather. Have you seen your great-great-great-grandfather? Have you seen him in body and flesh? You haven't. Do you believe he existed before? You haven't seen him though. Because you can trace by your logical reasoning. Because you know that your generation passed from one branch to another. That is hereditary. That's enough for this question. Did I change your mind? Next question. Samadabhatra is said to have to have ten vows, one of which is to transfer merits. What does this mean? In the Chinese language, Pu Xian Shida Yuan Huang. That means the Samanabhatra makes ten vows. Ten vows. Samanabhatra Buddhisattva Pusen Pusa Pusen Pusa Yoshida Yuanwang Samanabhatra Buddhisattva make ten vows, great vows. What are these ten vows? The first one. Let me let me say it in Chinese first for the translation. The first one is Li Jing Zhu for postration with utmost Li respect. Si Li, remember Si Li, Li, the utmost respect. Li, utmost respect. Prostration with the utmost respect. Li, Ding, Jing Li, Zhu Fu. The first one is prostration with Jing Li, Zhu Fu. Cheng Zhan Ru Lai, to praise the Buddha and all saints and all Bodhisattvas. Guang Xiu Gong Yang, to make offerings. I only mention it very briefly. 
The fourth is to repent on your behavior, your speech, and your thought. The fifth, 随喜功，呃，忏悔业障，随喜功德，随喜功德。It's to to praise and follow and encourage good deeds. Six is 请转法轮 always turning the Dharma view, always always turning the Dharma view so that the Buddha's teaching can be promoted, so that compassion and mercifulness can be rendered to all individuals, so that all people would raise the wisdom, so that morality. Wisdom and meditations can be spread far and wide, so that all people can be liberated from suffering. This is, um, 请转法轮。第七，请佛注释。We always would like invite Buddhas from all directions to come this world for emancipation and liberation of sentient beings. 常随佛学 ，always learn the Buddhist way of living. 第十。The tenth one is, 普戒回向 transfer all merits arising from all these previous nine、uh, deeds to all sentient beings for for the liberation. In other words, you get rid of your ego. You won't say, "I prostrate, I offer, I repent, I save sentient beings, I do this, I do that." You eliminate your ego. No more ego. No more subject, no more object, no more duality. Remember the four fallacious notions of the Diamond Sutra: 无我相、人相、众生相、受受解相 No ego, no personality, no beings, no life. You really have to research deep into it. No ego. No more ego. How can there be an I who did all these ten vows and those who received these ten vows? And also the gift, the object being given. No more, no more duality. No more ego. When there's no more ego, that means all these merits accrued will be all rendered to all sentient beings. So that means to transfer all these, whatever good deeds you have done, you transfer. In the process of transferring all your good deeds, what do you do? You eliminate your ego. 这个就是无我啊！你把所有的功德回向一切众生，这个就是无我观呢、啊。如果你真的是这样做啊，你还有我，功德是大家的嘛。我们人呢，只有争功德，争功夺利。<笑> But on the other hand, Samanabhatra transfer all merits to all sentient beings. Given the limited of time, I can't carry on, and that's I think that's enough. Because I usually linger on the question as much as I linger on every lecture, so that's it. When, the next question: When you meditate, why do you need to put the tip of your tongue on the roof of your mouth? Well, if you don't want to, it's still okay, because the this tip on on. Tip on top, tip top. This is a tip top. This tip on top is a Chinese invention, Oriental invention. I didn't see that in many of the sutras, unless you can correct me. Putting the tip 
on top of the roof because there's so many sayings about it. Because when we meditate, we put our right hand on top of our left and we put just two thumbs together connecting the current of the energy from left to right or from, left to, from the right to left by this thumb. But how do we connect the top to the bottom from the tip of the tongue? We, we do this connection to the top, to the crown, the, the crown chakra. This is the connection. And also, when in the process of meditation, there will be so much saliva coming, coming down. And we, we, call, we regard that kind of saliva to be the, um, the essence of energy in the tranquility of your mind. Uh, the, uh, some sort of, like if I use a common English word, could be some, some special hormones excrete from certain where, somewhere in the body, and it flows into your mouth. And it's good hormones. We don't want to spit it out. We, want, we just want to swallow it back slowly inside the body. Because you're building up, you're generating some good hormones. I call it hormones, quote unquote, may not be hormones, but I don't have a, another word for it. Uh, if I use Dao, Dao Jiao, the Qi, you Qi, you sound like so you, you touch that. It, it's all good for you. And um, if you don't want to do it, it's up to you. There's no requirement in, in, in Sutra or in the Diamond Sutra that you really have to do that. But there's so many, there's so much experiences passed down from the older generation, those practitioners who told us, this is good for you. And we followed. It doesn't hurt us. Why don't we follow it? So I answered this question without getting to details. There's another question written in Chinese. So we don't eat. The question says, why, why don't we eat garlic, onion, chimes, scallion, and all that? Uh, why, why do we have to stay away from this according to the Vinaya, according to the precepts? Why, do we, why, why did the Buddha tell us to stay away from this? There's so many reasons for it. Um, there's some orthodox reasons and unorthodox reasons for it. Um, it is believed that if you, if you eat a lot of scallion, chimes, and, uh, and uh, garlic and onions, you, um, you instigate your sexual desire. You have, you have an urgency in your sexual desire. You build it up. You have that pressure in you, that tension in you. So it's better to stay away from it so that your, your, your mind is pure. Because in our subtle mind, sometimes, sometimes it generates thought of sexuality that you don't even know about. Um, that's why you have dreams. Uh, so, if you stay away from 
garlic and onion and etc. and so on, then you are purer in that the, 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 the sexual desire as a result of the hormones inside, which is also as a result of the karma of the body, will not generate that much tension on you. As a practitioner of enlightenment, as a practitioner who would like to be, to be purified, as a practitioner who wants to stay in the path of purity, you don't want to arouse that kind of desire, don't you? Do you? You don't want that. Because that obstructs your sainthood, if you're on that way. That obstructs your, your purity. Because on the one hand, you're meditating, and on the other hand, you're always thinking of the woman and man relationship in you. How can you practice meditation? Some people say that's love. We really have to define what is love. If a love is a love between a man and a woman, sometimes it could be just classified as a sexual relationship. Because some people could do just a one-night stand, and that's it. And what you call that love? Is love forever? Love can change, you know. Nothing is unchangeable. A couple can stay on for 20 years, and one day the husband said, I'm not interested in one anymore. I want to call quit to this relationship, and it doesn't show up again. Divorces, walk away, never show up again. Many cases are like that. And they call it love. They call it love before they, they, they broke up. So, relationship. Some people think that this relationship is a good one. It's good to have a relationship. But the Buddha said it's because of love that reincarnate. Love could be a repayment of debt before in your previous life. So, after you pay it up, you don't need it anymore. You're serving your debtors. Oh, I don't want to get too much into, the, into, this, into this. But anyway, that, that's number one reason. Number two reason is, according to the sutras, if you eat onion and garlic, all that, you produce a smell that would be enticing to ghosts and to um, existence of other dimensions who are not as benevolent as humans. So you don't want to to attract the attention of beings that, you, uh, that are not welcomable. That's the number two reason. And, um, and isn't that enough reasons? I, I can't think of, I, suddenly it doesn't strike my mind. Sometimes I have a mental blockage. Anyway, uh, those are the, um, uh, so stay away from, uh, from, from that. <coughs> But some herbal, some doctors say that, especially herbal doctors say that uh, onion is good for health because it, it kills germs. And uh, in northern China, they treat that as one of the staple food products, uh, which are helpful. They say they are helpful to, to health. Uh, it could be uh, if you eat certain limited amount. It may be. I don't know. Uh, it may be. Uh, this is something that is not the, the utmost important in precepts. It's not like committing uh, sexual misconduct or killing or lying um, or stealing. 
it is something that is um, of secondary importance. So we don't want to put a lot of importance on it. And in, in some of the esoteric Buddhist, uh, Buddhists, they, uh, they're eating uh, um, onion and garlic too. And when you see people, Buddhists, who are eating onion and garlic, don't, don't give them a scornful eyesight. Oh, this guy, he says he's called himself Buddhist and he's eating onions and garlic and all that. I mean, you already have your egoistic feeling expressed. Nobody's going to listen to you. So, if that's that their practice, it's like in, in Tibet, uh, some of the, of the monks eat meat. In, 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 in Burma and, and, and Thailand, and, and, uh, they, they, they bag on arms round from door to door, and they, they, they're given a, a meat, uh, well, they, they don't deny it. But they don't cook meat. And, um, and, 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 um, and some Mahayana, they call them, Mahayana monks and nuns, when they, when they see other people, when they see the Hinayana are eating uh, some of the meat mixed in their food, they look at them with scornful eyes. And I, I, don't, I don't agree with them. I, well, well, what's wrong? I mean, uh, when the Buddha uh, lived, uh, you know, 2,600 years ago, when they arm, arms round, they all eat on whatever is given. Sleep until shelter is given. Fast until food is given. That's aesthetic practices. Precept is to look within you, not to use it on others. I'm following this precept, and you're not obeying it. You're wrong. Precept is to abide yourself, not to use it and impose on others. 